0: Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and as your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. All right. Pop a cough drop. We are in our, towards the tail end of our series on the Apostles' Creed, and if you know the Apostles' Creed, it's broken up really into three sections, the Father, the Son, and what do you think the third section is? The Holy Spirit. That's right. So today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and as we have been doing We've been using the, not just the Apostles' Creed, but we've been using the Catechism and its exposition of the Apostles' Creed to guide us in our time. So I am going to read, we're going to do question and answer 53 of the Heidelberg Catechism, this um, document, this teaching document that came out of the Reformation period. Its uh, design is question and answers, hence catechesis, you're instructing people in the faith. And so we're going to respond to this together. I'm going to ask the question, and then we'll give the answer. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me, so that through true faith he makes me share in Christ and all his benefits through true faith comforts me and will remain with me forever. And then from our scripture passage we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 1 Corinthians chapter 2:16 verses. Paul says, when I came to you However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in human words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The, spirit without, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And cannot understand them, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In, uh, in 2012, I'm going to get really personal here. I'm gonna, we're going to come down on the, the floor. We're going to be on the same level. Ooh, does that make anybody feel uncomfortable? A little bit, yeah. It's a bright light. <clears throat> in 2012, there was an expedition off the coast of Japan, and they were seeking to film one of the, uh, one of the rarest, one of the most elusive deep sea creatures known. The giant squid. Now, for hundreds of years, people's imaginations have been captivated by this creature who in sea legends is commonly referred to as the kraken. Now, if, you, if you think back maybe to some pictures you've seen in some history books or, or mythological things, it's, it's uh, this, this giant squid-like creature wrapping its tentacles all around a big ship. Now, the the problem is that this creature lives, its habitat is thousands of feet underneath the ocean's surface. So not only is it hard to study, this creature is hard to find. It's hard to see. How How do you interact with a creature in its natural habitat when it lives so far down under so much water weight in total darkness? You need a brilliant mind. You need something to help you bridge this gap. Well, there is a, a marine biologist, an oceanographer named Edith Witter, a bright a very bright scientist, and she had this hypothesis. She was on this expedition. She had this hypothesis that the, the way that uh, currently they were approaching this, uh, this problem, this issue of finding the giant squid, um, it, was, it was wrong, it was ineffective. See, the current way that they were doing things was that they would send a submersible vehicle Underneath the ocean surface, thousands of feet below, and these these vehicles, depending on what they what, what brand or model they were, they would either be um, they would be propelled by a battery or propelled by motor propulsion. And her hypothesis was that instead of attracting them by this noise that these machines are making, well, they are they are actually scaring away these creatures. And so what she did. Her hypothesis was, let us send a camera, just, just a battery-operated camera attached to a platform. Let's send this down underneath the water without any sort of propulsion. And let's attach this camera to a float at the, the surface of the ocean. And we're going to attach it by a cord a couple thousand feet long. And we're going to let this camera just drift with the ocean currents. Oh, well, not only that, She also, um, she used a special lure, a lure that mimicked the bioluminescent light that's given by a deep-sea creature, a deep-sea jellyfish. So all that the giant squid would be seeing and hearing is just this this light. They'd just be seeing the light. They wouldn't be hearing anything. So now they would be attracting this giant squid because this this is a signal to them that food is nearby. What do you think happened? It worked. It worked. They needed a brilliant mind to find something this mysterious, this inaccessible, and it worked. This giant squid came and wrapped itself really around the camera, and they saw this creature, and it, it, she said it was about the, sto- the, the height of a two-story house. It's big, right? That is a, that is, this isn't just one creature. That is a lot of effort to put into one creature. Now, it's thought that there are over that over 90% of ocean species have yet to be discovered. 80% of our ocean is unexplored, unmapped, unseen. There are limitations that we have as humans. Even humans... Us humans, many of you in this congregation, are very bright. We have the most advanced technology, and yet there are limitations to what we know about the planet that we are living on. This is just creation. This is just creation. There exists an impassable gap or, or chasm between the creation and the creator's knowledge between human knowledge and divine knowledge the wisdom and knowledge of god and the wisdom and knowledge of human beings is a wide gulf now while we while we have yet to set eyes on certain parts of the ocean depths we're told in scripture in isaiah that god measures the waters in the hollow of his hand. Now, while we are limited in our study of the solar system by measuring light that we receive from stars, we are told again in Isaiah and in Psalm 8 that the Lord, he measures, he, set, he marks off the heavens with the breath of his hand. He is the one who set the moon and the stars in place. He is the one who calls each star by name. Now, who in here knows the mind of their spouse? Who in here knows the mind of their children? Who in here knows the mind of their parents? people that we interact with on a regular basis, people that we've grown up with, that we live with, our best friends, if we do not know their mind, how are we to know the mind of the one who created us? Who in here is struggling in a relationship? Who in here is confused about what is the next right move to restore this relationship? If we don't know how to restore human relationships, How do we expect to know what it takes to restore this relationship that we have with the one who made the universe? There is a divide between human wisdom and the wisdom of God. The humbling truth, the humbling truth for us is that there is a wisdom that is hidden from us. Paul calls it a mystery. For all of our advances in science, for all of our determination and grit to keep digging and to keep researching and to keep investigating, there is no magical school bus that we can shrink down and send to explore the mind of God. The only way, the only way For us to know God's wisdom is for God to reveal it. For God to bridge that gulf, that gap, that huge, insurmountable divide. Well, and thanks be to God that he does it. Thanks be to God that he he desires to unveil, to reveal his wisdom to us. And he does this through the power of, of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. This is our confession. These are the words that we use as we profess our faith together. I believe in the Holy Spirit. But what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit and what is the work of the Holy Spirit? if we look at our catechism, if we talk about the doctrine of the Trinity, we know that the Holy Spirit is an equal member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit must be co-equal because the Spirit knows the mind of God. The Spirit knows the deep things of God. And as Paul says, who can know the mind of a person except for that person's spirit? Who can know the mind of God except for the Spirit of God? The Spirit is eternal God. We also know that this is a personal being, that this is a personal God. This is not some impersonal force. Now, I don't know if you, I don't know if this was a, a question that you had uh, as you received the e- the weekly email. Maybe some of you know where I'm going with this. But in my in the weekly email, I, I put out, hey, this is what we're gonna be doing as a church on Sunday. This is what you can read when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I misled you. I'm sorry because I misled you. The pronoun that I used to address the Holy Spirit was it, itself. Now, while grammatically and with language of uh, the biblical language, this is not incorrect, but it is misleading when you look at the scope of Scripture, because this is not an impersonal force. This is a personal God. We read throughout Scripture that this is a personal spirit. The Holy Spirit, God sends the Holy Spirit, puts the Holy Spirit in your heart. We read from 2 Corinthians chapter one. And then Jesus in John chapter 14, He says, God is going to send another paraclete. Now, if you look at that, if you look at this word paraclete, it it really means uh, to come alongside. God is going to send you somebody who's going to come alongside. And now Jesus, we can say really the first paraclete, he is, there's going to be another one sent, so he must be the first paraclete. He walked alongside of his disciples. And now the Spirit is going to be sent to walk alongside Christ's disciples. This is a personal Spirit, a personal God. An eternal God, but a personal God. This is who the Spirit is now. What about the works of the Spirit? The works of the Spirit are many. They they are inexhaustible when we talk about what is the work of the Spirit. Well, the Catechism, though, it's instructing. It's instructing for us, but it's, it takes the easy way out. It says, uh, because of the Holy Spirit, we share in Christ and all his benefits. One, two, skip a few, 99, 100. We share in Christ and all of his benefits. So not only, well, first we share in Christ. The one through whom we are made, we get to be united with him. This is what we're going to do at the table later this morning we're going to be spiritually united with our Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. But not only are we united with Christ, we receive all of Christ's benefits. If we look at a couple of those, think about the Apostles' Creed. One of the benefits we receive is this formation of the Holy Catholic Church. God saves a body of believers. He puts us in a a people group. His, His people. One of the benefits We receive the complete forgiveness of our sins because the Holy Spirit makes Christ's work effective for our lives. So there is nothing that we have done that is so heinous, nothing that we continue to do or will do that separates us from God because we have the complete forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are promised, we are guaranteed that we will, after this life, our bodies will be resurrected. And that we will experience everlasting life with our Lord in joy. The works of the Spirit are many. And this morning, Paul's focus to us in this passage, really God's focus through Paul in this passage, is the Holy Spirit as revealer. The Holy Spirit as revealer. Remember, there's there's an impassable chasm or divide between human wisdom and divine wisdom. And the Holy Spirit is that bridge that God gives us. It's it's the revelation of the Holy Spirit where God's wisdom is manifest to us. And what is this hidden mystery? Which is what it's called in in 1 Corinthians. It's it's, it's this hidden mystery. It is nothing other than God's plan of bringing us back into relationship with himself. And now we we maybe we take this for granted. Maybe we've grown up with this message. This message that Jesus Christ is our salvation. We've grown up with it. Maybe some of us are are a little bit tired of hearing it at church. Why do we talk about this every week? Can't we just talk about something else? This is the mystery that God has revealed to us, His hidden mystery. For as smart as we are, for as persistent as we are, for as researched as we are, there is no way of knowing this hidden wisdom of God apart from the Holy Spirit. We are as unlikely to walk on the ocean floor in the Mariana Trench 36,000 feet down, unaided, than we are to know this wisdom apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals to us God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. And it is my privilege, it is my privilege this morning that I get to proclaim this message to you. Maybe you who have not received it. Maybe you who have strayed from this message. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, hear these words revealed to you. Well, Paul, Paul succinctly states it, saying, this is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That this, this is the mystery. Let's, if we open that up, we say God created us. God's creation, us. We turned away from him. We turned away from him and we became his enemies. But God, in his love for us, in his commitment to us, God himself came down to us in the flesh, skin and bones, just like us was Jesus Christ walking the earth. And Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that we were supposed to live. He was completely obedient to all of the Father's commands. And what happened to him? They killed him. They killed him. The Roman leaders, Roman soldiers, the, the Jewish leaders. They thought this, they thought this was unheard of, that this man claimed to be God. The brightest minds of the day the strongest bodies, they could not comprehend this wisdom and this knowledge of God. They thought this was foolishness, and so they crucified the second person of the Trinity. But in his wisdom, in God's wisdom and in God's power, he raised this man up from the dead. On the third day, this man, he ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of utmost power where he has defeated sin and where he has defeated death. And life, true life, only comes through him. It is not by our investigation, it is not by our diligence, it is not by our research, it is not by our work. It is only by Jesus Christ and his work that we receive true life, and this only comes to us through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, something God chooses to give us in his grace and in his mercy. Now, before I wrap up this morning, I want to talk about one more work of the Holy Spirit. One of the, maybe, maybe one of the main works that we think of when we think about the Holy Spirit is this, uh, this work of sanctification. Well, God the Father is usually attributed with creation. God the Son is usually uh, attributed with salvation, yeah, redemption. And then the Holy Spirit is usually uh, given to us, we think about sanctification. This process of making us holy, transforming us into the image of Christ. Now, the the church at Corinth, to whom this letter is written, they had the wisdom of God revealed to them. They received Jesus Christ crucified as Lord. They received him just like us. But if you know anything about this church in Corinth, you know that they had some, some really strong internal conflicts going on. These were people who experienced division. These were people, this was a church who aligned themselves with certain leaders. This was a church where the haves put themselves above the have-nots. This was a church of immorality. This was a church we could broadly say of immature belief. Remember, these are people who have that same wisdom, who have that same revelation that Jesus Christ is the one who saves. So what God does through Paul is he takes him back to the foundation. He says, but you, but you, you do not have the wisdom of this world. You have a different wisdom. He says, you have received the wisdom of God. He says, you have received the mind of Christ. You have. The mind of Christ. It's more than just words. It's more than just doctrine. It's more than just being able to recite something. It's more than just making sure we have a, have a certain appearance when we walk through those doors. You have the mind of Christ. This is an apprehension. This is a grasping. This is a holding onto the word that is the cross. The word that is the cross so much that it transforms our entire existence, that it transforms our entire being, where we become self-sacrificing people like Christ, where we become people through whom God's power works strongest in our weakness, like Christ. We become people who are servants, people who put the needs of others before our own, like Christ. We become people of grace, like Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The wisdom of God has been given to us to live out. And brothers and sisters, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us and it works in us, conforming us into the image of Christ to live out, to live out this this cruciform life, this self-sacrificing life. And the Holy Spirit, the triune God, is inviting us to participation in that work. This is you. This is, this is where you come in. Where do you, how do you do this? This is what you get to figure out. This is why you join groups. This is why you join Oasis groups because you talk about how do I live this out? How do I make the work of the Holy Spirit real in my life? How do you help me to pay attention to the Spirit? How do you do this? And we do this together. So I encourage you uh, to interact with each other and ask and have these conversations. How do you apply this? Brothers and sisters, this is our life lived out as believers, as those who have received the wisdom of God. So may we, may we surrender our resistance. May we give ourselves to the work of the Spirit. May we know the salvation of Christ. May we do all this for the glory of God. All of God's people said, amen. Well, let's pray. Almighty God, we ask that you would grant, grant that the words we have heard this day may through your grace be so grafted within our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruits of the Spirit to the honor and praise of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.